What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is one of the most recognized film and TV actresses of the 1970s and 80s and beyond, with dozens of notable credits. You've seen her in the TV series, The Commish, the Outer Limits, Touched by an Angel, Law and Order SVU, and Judging Amy. But it's her work in feature films that made her a 1980s screen icon with memorable roles in The Philadelphia Experiment, The Last Detail, Strange Invaders, 1941, I Want to Hold Your Hand. The Buddy System, Blowout, Dress to Kill, RoboCop, and Out of Sight, and of course as Sissy Spacex Tormentor in the horror classic Carrie. In a prolific career that spanned four decades, she's worked with some of the most prominent directors in cinema, including Steven Spielberg. Al Ashby, Robert Zemeckis, Paul Verhoeven, Steven Soderbergh, and Brian De Palma. She's even worked with and alongside some of our favorite screen stars and character actors, including Kirk Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, Michael Caine, Christopher Lee, Martin Landau, Piper Laurie, Albert Brooks, and Roger Moore, as well as former podcast guests, Tim Matheson, Dick Miller, Will Jordan, Eddie Deason, and Michael McKeon. Hell, she's even shared the screen with Pat McCormick. Please welcome to the show one of our favorite actresses and a woman who says if she could have dinner with any three people in showbiz she'd choose 
Stephen Sondheim, Mel Brooks, and Ethel Merman. The Bronx's own Nancy Allen. Hi, Gilbert. Hi, Frank. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I warned you the intro was too long. (laughs) It was very, very, very long. I feel like I must be so old. And I do have to clear up something once and for all. Go for it. I have never been on Judging Amy. They won't take it off my IMDb. I don't know who put it on there to begin with. I haven't seen the show. Never been on it. It's done now. Tripped up again. (laughs) Foiled again by IMDb. I hate them. You know, they they reported that I was dead once. Someone actually reported that I was dead. And I got three calls from people. Oh, just calling to see if you're okay. And so I wrote to them. I said, hello, I'm not dead. Just want to report that. And they said, well, we can't take it off until we confirm it. So who confirmed that I was dead? I'm just wondering. Wow. So they wouldn't take your word for it. They would not. But every other credit we read is legit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, IMDb. Curse you, IMDb. Now, now, (laughs) the first question I want to get to is an excuse that you are sincerely meant to a director who wanted you to do a nude scene. Say that again. Okay. There was one movie early on. He wanted you to do a nude Um, scene and your reason for not doing it. Yes. Uh, Well, that movie was the last detail and the director was Hal Ashby. Ah, yes. And um, I met him briefly in a hotel room when they were casting in New York. Forgot about it. I didn't really read anything. It was just a conversation. And then I got a call from my agent saying, you're cast. They want you for the last detail. The script is on its way to you. So I start reading the script and it was the hooker. And she's saying, hey, let me check you out. And she's she's zipping down this guy's pants. And I thought, oh, my God, my father, my father will die if he sees me doing this. Your father's a cop. We should we should remind people. (laughs) Yes. 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 So I called Lynn Stallmaster, who was the casting director. I said, look, Lynn, you know, I'm really flattered. This is really exciting. But I, I, I don't even know if I could act and be naked at the same time. So, <laughs> Never stop Gilbert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they end up casting me in the, in the party scene uh, opposite Jack Nicholson. And, uh, and as it turns out, it took a few more years before I was sure that I could actually act and be naked at the same time. Right. You managed. I and- did. And you said in that, well, oh, you 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 paid a tremendous compliment to Nicholson in that you said at one point he started doing the scene and you didn't know he started. Absolutely. We were just sitting and chatting uh, across the table from one another. And we had done another little scene before that. And we're just talking. And the next thing I know, he starts, he just started acting strangely. And I got more and more uncomfortable, which was perfect because I was supposed to be. And then I realized he was in the scene. And, uh, I mean, he's just masterful. I remember the scene. You're complimenting his uniform, and he says says something obscene. I haven't haven't seen the movie in years. It's one of Gilbert's favorites. But what a movie to start your career with. I mean, Hal Ashby and Jack Nicholson. Oh, my God. Were you 19, 20? 
I'm trying to remember. I think I was about 20, maybe yeah. 21 yeah. at the time. Wow. And uh, it was terrifying, actually. I was excited but terrified. And uh, I... T- I was so nervous. It, it was almost worse. We did the first scene, which was improv, and uh, with Jack saying, hey, and I said, oh, yeah, I like your suit or whatever I said. And at the end of that particular segment, Jack said, oh, my God, you're really good. And isn't she great? And I felt even more self-conscious, which fortunately worked for the scene. But I was so nervous that I actually had a glass of wine at lunch when everybody went to lunch. And I came back after lunch and the cameraman said, what makeup did they put on? Her face looks really red. What's going on there? Can you take down that? So I guess I was flushed from the line. <laughs> Big lesson I learned. <laughs> yeah. You were, you were a movie buff. I mean, you were telling me on the phone that you, you loved, you, you, even now you, you're a TCM fan. As we yes. are, you're a big movie watcher. Did you, were you aware? I mean, Nicholson wasn't even quite as big a star as he would become. But you, were you aware of Ashby too and his body of work? And uh, you know, I don't think so. I don't believe I was. Okay. I just really knew who Jack was. But I, of course, subsequently found out a lot about Hal Ashby. Yeah, what and, another great and career! You got into movies at that, you know, the crazy time period of when. Old Hollywood was on its way out, and they would often say, like, the uh, the inmates took over the asylum in the <laughs> 70s. Uh, well, yes, uh, and it was the beginning of um, going from older Hollywood into more of the auteur mm-hmm. uh, phase. And But it, it, what was so amazing, I mean, everybody was so young then. We were all so young, and including the directors and uh, who were a very tight group and the socializing. I look back now, some of the pictures I have and the memories and the things that we did, people sitting around talking about movies and dissecting films. It was like, for me, it was like being in film school, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting at a table with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma and, and uh, trying to think, Oh, occasionally, Coppola was around, but mostly not. But, you know, really. Um, John Milius. Well, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't really socializing oh, with okay. us that much, but he was around. And mm-hmm. I got to know John, who's who's a really incredible guy. Um, and I think about that and it just seemed normal because we were all so young and uh, just excited and wanting to make movies. And they'd be talking about movies they loved and why they loved them and projects they were developing and and all talking to each other. And, and just thinking that I was right in the middle of that, it didn't really have the meaning now. Uh, then, as it does now, of course, looking back and saying, my God, this was a tremendously exciting, transformative period in film. It sure was. And there I was right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert and I were talking about Peter Biskin's book, which I'm sure you've read, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, sure, sure. About, yeah. about that period. And it's fascinating. You were smack in the middle of that movement. Yes, yes. Now I, I was remembering uh, Zemeckis, Bob Zemeckis. Oh, Bob was, Zemeckis, just sure. came into that period, sure, too. Sure, sure. I got really angry reading that book because I looked in the table of contents and I didn't see your name there. Well, you know, you should. I don't know if that's good or bad. You should. Some things in that book you don't want to be associated with. You know, you never know what they're going to say. So, oh yeah, I that's true. Bite my finger to. <laughs> so you dodged a bullet. <laughs> Maybe yes, yes. 
Yeah, I felt that. There was another book I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Warren Beatty's book, but we won't go there. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Tell, tell us, give us a little backdrop, Nancy. Tell us about growing up in the Bronx, which we were talking about before we turned the mics on. Your dad, as you mentioned, was a police officer. Yes, I was the third of three children. My brother, uh, my brothers were eight and six years older than me. So I was the baby and, you know, uh, acted accordingly. Um, uh, you know, when I was really little, we lived in three rooms. We had one, you know, one bedroom and it was all very, uh, uh, very tight. And uh, it just, you know, it was... Um, you know, for me, it was great. I mean, I, I was like another generation. So I spent most of my time alone or with my dog. And I watched, I wasn't a cartoon person, but I liked movies. I liked movies even then. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my, my fantasies, I think my t- first training really began by watching these old movies. What, what, did, and, you, what uh, did you watch? What were, you, what were your favorites? I have read somewhere you were a Twilight Zone fan too. Well, that was later. Yes, okay. I love Twilight Zone. I love uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh-huh. show. Good taste. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I loved, I was a dancer when I was little, so I loved Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies. I mm-hmm. thought they were, I mean, I loved the dancing. Mm-hmm. I thought they were funny. I liked that sort of silly humor. Uh, and, uh, and you know, then, you know, I can remember as I got a little bit older, I was watching, I, I liked film noir. Don't ask. I don't know why. I guess there was something, you know. Even at a young age. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like, I always liked darkness. I liked, I liked the idea. And I read all of those, those, uh, you know, James Cain and, and. Uh, um, Dashiell, Dashiell Hammett. Dashiell Hammett and uh, Raymond Chandler. Mm-hmm. I love characters. The idea of a woman or a man appear to be one way, but there's this whole other side to them. And you see, you think they're one thing and they turn out to be another thing. So it's kind of my philosophy about human beings. You get, you see what you, you see what's in front of you, you get to know the person, but there's so many facets to a personality. And I love that dark side, which I think is in all of us. And what better way to let it out than in a movie. And now tell us about I your- love that. Love that she was you were watching she's watching film noir as a kid. I know. What like Asphalt <laughs> Jungle and and uh and Maltese Falcon L- Lady in well, the Lake and that kind of stuff. Well, I am the daughter of a cop. I do love a good crime right. industry, big, you big, know, so <laughs> it's in my DNA. I still watch those. Big heat. Oh, there there yeah. was a, a funny story. Uh you were on when you were doing Robocop. You were fighting with the director about something that a cop would never do, and you knew because you were the daughter oh. of a cop. Yes. Well, I was actually fighting with Peter Weller about oh, okay. it. You know, the director, you know, it was on the outside of this, but we were, it's a scene where we're, we're in the car, we're chasing the bad guys, and he, I'm driving, and Peter's hanging out the window, and and he says, uh, you know, give me your gun. And so I'll be using both guns. I said, no, I, you're, you're a cop's not supposed, supposed to surrender their gun. I'm just not going to do it. I, I know my father would say that. So I actually asked my father and he says, well, under the circumstances, yeah, you'd probably give up your gun, which I was, infuri- I was infuriated. Because <laughs> I hate you're, being you're wrong. St- That's one of my character <laughs> defects. I like being right. Makes me happy. <laughs> Own that, Nancy. <laughs> you know how they say, would you rather be right or happy? I'd rather be right, and then I'm happy. Yeah. Get it 
What a nutty movie. Watched it again last night. Gilbert and I were talking oh, about yes. it. Yeah. You have to tell us about Verhoeven, too. Oh, first of all, I have to say I have to give kudos to the writers because that's truly yep. one of the best scripts I ever read. Um, I picked it up. I saw the title RoboCop and I said, oh, God, they're going to have to change that. I'm sure that's terrible. And I'll read a little bit. I'll read a few pages. I picked it up and I absolutely couldn't put it down. And I had seen um, I'd seen Soldier of Orange, which I loved. Yeah. And I realized I, thought, I really want to make this movie. So I went into uh, I went in to read for him and there was the lineup of the casting director, the writers, the producer. Everybody was there. And Paul actually read with me. And uh, so we read one scene and then we went to re read another scene and he says, you know, I'd, I'd really like you to try whatever it was. And he gave me a very specific direction of how he wanted me to change the scene. So I said, can you give me a minute? So he said, sure, sure. So I go outside, I come back in and I do the scene. I said, is that what you wanted? And he said, not at all, but it was very interesting. So Paul's the kind of guy who on the set would... You know, he was used to making films in Europe. Mm -hmm. And in those films, they were really laying the sound in later. So there was never a sound problem. They just shoot. They were constantly shooting, very loose. And uh, so we'd, we'd walk on the set and they'd be setting things up. And his first thing would be, why are we not shooting? It was like, a, it's like we got to go. We got to go. And that energy really infused the whole set and the shooting process. And it was, you were going like this. And, and then- no matter how many people were in the scene, he'd come out and he'd basically act out the whole scene and play all the characters. And then he'd say, but don't copy me. So, you know. <laughs> Interesting directing style. He's like a mad genius. Yeah, people have referred to him as a mad genius. Have you seen his he films, the, the Dutch films? You oh, see yeah. Soldier of Orange and there's a great one called The Fourth Man. That the he, Fourth that he Man made and also Robocop. Uh, Spetters. Spetters yeah, they're and all great. Turkish Delight. Yeah. Rutger Hauer, yeah. Yeah. And when you weren't sure, when you were an inexperienced and weren't sure about your acting, and they'd hand you a page that had dialogue on it, I I heard you used to excuse yourself from the room to to use the bathroom. Well, the, those were my early days yeah. of uh, commercials, and that's what I would do. I'd sign in. And they'd give me the paper. And if it was just something to act out, I'd think, fine. And otherwise, if there were lines on the page, I'd say, oh, you know, I'll be right back. I'm off to the ladies' room. And, of course, I got caught in about three months. I got away with it for three months. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, so finally I started showing up. And I was too afraid to go into an acting class. So I started working with an acting coach. That's, that's as brave as I was. One-on-one -on -one was scary enough. The acting coach who taught Salminio, right? He did. She, yeah. she did. She yeah. coached a lot of, uh, they would bring her out to California to coach actors for film. So you were a film buff as a kid. You went to the high school performing arts, but as you told me on the phone, that was short-lived. Yes, sadly, it was. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I went there as a dance major, and uh, if you see the movie Fame, which is based on sure. high school performing arts, uh, it looks like if you don't make it in one, you can just switch over to the drama, uh, the drama department. But it wasn't like that. And they were really, uh, really tough there. And at the end of the year, they meet with each student. And, and uh, Miss Schur, how could I ever forget Miss Schur, uh, said to me, you know, Nancy, we just think that uh, you're lovely, but 
we think you might be happier somewhere else. I thought, oh, <laughs> you, wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Miss Schur. And I spent the entire summer keeping this information from my parents. I was terrified to tell them. And at the end of the summer, I had heard about this uh, private professional school. And um, I knew my father hated me being in public school. So I said, I went to him, Dad, you were so right. Oh, yes, you were so right. I never should have gone to that school. Can I change? I really don't want to go back. So I totally lied, completely scammed him there and ended up in this uh, uh, professional children's school, which really changed the course of my career pretty quickly. I mean, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Right, right, right. So it was good that that woman didn't know what she was talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> well, she did about my dancing because I loved it, but I wasn't obsessed. And you have to be obsessed if you're going to be a dancer. There's the scene you don't see in fame. We'd rather you weren't here. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> never, never see that in those yeah. uh, in those musicals. So how did you make the jump into commercials? I mean, how, how, how did it start to become a profession for you? Uh, it was actually a, there was a girl who was in my class, another student, who stopped me one day on the way to class. And she said, you know, my mother's a manager. She manages teens and you would be great in commercials. And I thought, well, summer's coming up. I know I'm going to have to get a job. And I said, well, do they pay you for that? And she said, yes, they do. They pay you. So she introduced me to her mother, who was a manager, who then introduced me to an agent. And uh, that's how it began. While Gilbert tries to remember who our guest is. And what's your name? <laughs> A few words from our sponsor. <laughs> Gil and Frank went out to pee. Now they're back so they can be on their amazing colossal podcast. Podcast. Kids, time to get back to Gilbert and Frank's amazing colossal podcast. So let's go. I, you know, I did the research. I was looking for some of these commercials that you did. Tell, tell us, I didn't, I didn't come up with many. Oh, well, the first one I did was Wink. Wink Soda? Remember Wink, a grapefruit Yeah. Drink? Grapefruit yeah. Soda? I did that. Uh, that was my uh, uh, break into stardom. I started out as an extra, as a go-go dancer, and they <laughs> thrust me into stardom playing the pa- piano and lip syncing to the song. So that was my... <laughs> you remember Wink Soda, Gilbert? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what else? What other spots? Well, I did the first Cool Whip commercial. Cool Whip. Okay. Good. Remember Cool Whip? Yeah, I sure. I ate Cool Whip and strawberries for two days. And at the end, they offered us each a case of Cool Whip and we all declined. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. I did Clairol. I did a lot of Clairol commercials. I was the frost and tip girl, the hot stuff girl, legs, pantyhose. Do you, uh, do you have these? Do Dove. You, do you have copies of them, Nancy? Do you go back and look at them for a laugh or show them to friends? No, I, I don't. But I'll tell you what. Uh, they started to show up on YouTube and people started posting them, which is really annoying, especially some of the really bad ones that I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will dig deeper. And- <laughs> And there was a point where you were ready to you were ready to leave California because you felt like your career wasn't going anywhere. And then you went for a steam. Yes, I had been here for uh, two months, which I thought was an extraordinary long period of time. And I I was in the steam room, and I came out, and I ran into a woman named Harriet Helberg who had cast me in commercials in New York. We had her husband said, on the show. 
You know Harriet? Sandy Helberg. Yeah. Yeah. Her, 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 uh, Sandy? Her husband's a Sandy famous Helberg. character actor. Yeah, we had him here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she said, look, tomorrow, she says, I'm, I'm casting a movie and, uh, well, tomorrow's the last day and you won't get the part, but at least you'll meet a director. And uh, come to Culver City, pick up the script, which I did. It was actually, it was Carrie. And I went to the library, got the book. I stayed up all night. I made notes. I made a, wrote a biography of the character. I thought, if anything, I'm going to go in and I'm going to make a good impression. So I, I did. I was the last person on the last day to read. I left my notes there, which was really upsetting. I was so embarrassed. Uh, and by, But by the time I got home, there was a call saying, we're going to screen test you. So that's. That was it. So if you hadn't gone into that steam room. Yes, that's right. Who knows? Being out of work pays off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, you know, we do so many of these interviews and it's fun. There's always that, that kind of weird turning point that you don't, that, you know, obviously people don't see coming in their lives. Some, some, some innocuous choice, you know, I'll, I'll go into this deli or I'll go into this steam and you, and, and things change. They do. Things have to turn on a dime. That's fascinating. And after you did RoboCop, which was a big success, uh, it was followed with RoboCop 2 that you weren't crazy about. Oh, you're so kind. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I not only hated it, but I can tell you, I absolutely had the worst experience of my career with Irvin Kirshner. He was just, he was really abusive and horrible. Sorry to hear that. But other than that, I had a great time. (laughs) <laughs> Did you learn martial arts while we're on the subject of RoboCop 2? Did I read something well, about that, that you, you, t- you, t- you did some specialized training? I did go out to the police academy, and uh, an officer, Estrada, Steve Estrada, uh, worked with me with guns. Because even though I had a father who was a policeman, I had never held a gun. So we, we did that. We went out to the range. And as it turns out, I'm a pretty darn good shot, and I really enjoyed it. And... Uh, but I also had to learn some specific movements that were going to be incorporated into um, a few of the things that we did. So I learned some martial arts. But I, I please, I'm just such a girl. I can't do anything. <laughs> oh, I was watching it last night. The punching is very convincing. It, uh, yeah, for that moment. The editing is so good in that. Maybe a good kick, but was, that's about was all it, I Was it do. all in the editing? Let's credit the, direct, uh, the two writers, too, since you brought them up. Uh, Michael Miner and Ed Newmeyer. Absolutely. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. It's a great black comedy, Robocop. You forget that it's also it a, it's a satire of, of television and media. Local yeah. news gets savaged. It's uh, consumerism. It's a very smart piece of work. Oh, yeah. very. There was also a lot of political. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. A very smart script. And that's what I liked about it. I'd never read anything like it before. A lot of depth to it. And you were in a movie where you kept getting slapped really hard in the face. By John Travolta. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. And Betty Buckley. Constantly. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about almost, Betty Buckley. See, the bad, that Betty Buckley thing, I just blacked that up over and over again because it was so awful. 29 <laughs> times. She'll say it's less, but it was 29 times. I counted. Really? Yes. Hit her harder. Hit her harder. <laughs> I should have known then. Let's talk about Carrie, too, because we're, we're coming out of the steam room now. And by the way, like okay. I warned you on the phone, you notice we jump around and there's no chronology to this. That works for me. That's it's just fine. like word association. <laughs> uh, you, what you guys were all paid 600 bucks a week. 605. 605. 
Yes. Looking back. That $5 was really important. In those <laughs> <days>. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard you say that Brian was smart because he had a rehearsal period. He got he gave everybody a week or so to get to know each other, to kind of click bef- it, before the true. cameras it rolled. Was, it was really, it was really great. We bonded, and uh, or most of the cast bonded, uh, I would say. And uh, we played theater games. We had to elect a um, a school president, a class president, and we actually each had to campaign for ourselves uh, in order to be voted for. And I figured Chris would say, you know, this is really boring. It's totally not interesting to me. Who would even want to be class president? So uh, by the end of the two weeks. Since I only stayed in character when we were playing, everybody just hated me. They just hated me. So it took them about two weeks into filming to say, oh, you know, she's a really, she's okay. She's nice. But I think at the end of the day, it really worked for the film because you really do feel that this ensemble, because we were an ensemble, uh, had, um, had been together for some time. So... It was good. Even though, and I heard, and I heard you say that that Carrie, uh, the, excuse me, that the, that Sissy and Piper were were isolated when they did their scenes. They were separated from the rest of the cast. They were. It was a closed set. Yeah, it was a closed set, which is understandable because what they were doing together was uh, a little bit different than what the rest of us were doing. It was very intense, and uh, so. I never really, I got to know Sissy, of course, but I never met Piper until a few years ago. And she Isn't that funny? They made the film and you never met her. No, nope, never met her. And you, you like Sissy Spacek. Oh, very much so. Sissy's a... Terrific actress. She's that first, but really just a sweet, good person. You know, she's just a doll. I loved, I loved working with her and I liked her process. It was very interesting. You thought of Chris as a wronged woman. Is that is that kind of? I heard you say that. that that's kind of how, how you accessed <laughs> well, that rage well, and that hostility. A teenager, not actually a woman, but hey, you know she's not getting her way, and she really should have her way. So yeah, I thought so. She didn't get to go to the prom, so everybody was going to suffer, especially Carrie. What what it, what was the surprise when you got to the uh, when you got to the dubbing stage? That's kind of fun. Oh. That yes, um, <laughs> by putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, I, heard I don't you care. Tell the story. At this point in my life, if I can't laugh about this stuff, no. Uh, there's the car scene with John and I, mm-hmm. and where I'm seducing him and manipulating him into doing what I want him to do. So as we were shooting the scene, I'm kissing him and kissing him, and I made the assumption my head was going completely out of frame. <laughs> Come to find out, there was my head way in the frame. And, uh, you know, I looked at that. And I went, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I can't have my father see that. And uh, so John thought it was hilarious. And, of course, just to be clear, I was kissing his stomach. That's what was going on. But, of course. Uh, so Brian said I was begging him to, to cut away from this. So he said, okay, look, I'll tell you what. I'll compromise. We'll keep you talking through the whole thing. And I said, Oh, okay. I'm good with that. So a lot of people would write, oh, she can talk and do other things or chew gum and do other things at the same time. So I I remember hearing a story that Sissy Spacek said that when they were about to do the shower scene, she told the Palma, she said, okay, just don't show my vagina on screen. And then when they when the movies aired, she she just said out loud really angrily, 
Thanks, Brian. <laughs> well, that's that's that that's close, but that's not exactly. So so we'll print the here's legend. What exactly how yes, that's a better. <laughs> so here's what it is. So we're shooting. If you recall, everything was in slow motion. Sure. So here's the frame. The frame is blank, and then you see the uh, uh, what do you call it? The clapper with the the, the coming slate. into frame. Yeah. Really, 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 really slow. In the whole time, in the meantime, there's a close-up of Sissy's. Well, below her, below her waist and <laughs> above her thighs. So it would be her vagina, I guess you would call it. Um, and and so she said, "Nice shot, Brian." So the whole cast, everybody was seeing. They they did frame up uh, after that, but it, it took forever. So that's kind of. The uh, the idea behind that one. I wonder how that story got out. That's great. You were close, Gil. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was I like, very, very I like close. my version better. <laughs> well, it is. It is. And then, of course, Betty Buckley was so funny because she was not naked. All the rest of us were naked. After the, you know, after we saw it in the uh, in rushes, we came out, and a couple of the girls were upset. And I just thought, well, at least it looked nice. I mean, the lighting was good, and Betty was like, oh. I just, I can't believe it. And I know, and I know what it was too. We were supposed to be, it was, Brian said, oh, there's going to be a lot of fog. You'll see an arm here, a leg there. Well, well, me, PJ, and a couple of the other girls, we were just full on head to toe naked. So Betty was trying to just say, oh, this is awful. And oh, this is terrible. And if I were you, I'd be really upset. So she was trying to get us all riled up that it didn't work. It's funny, you watch it now and you realize it's 1976, and, and back then, Hollywood films w- would do that. There, you know, oh. you'd, you'd have, there would be nude scenes, not gratuitous nudity, but it was, it was more commonplace. Oh, there was nudity in everything yeah. in those days, and, yeah. you know, pretty graphic. I was watching Animal House the other night, and I'm thinking, there's no need at all for this, yeah. this topless scene. It's funny, with Belushi on the ladder. Right. I mean, it doesn't bring all that much to the movie, but you realize in those days that they were trying to sell these movies internationally, and and nudity was a thing. I liked movies a lot better back then. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the the no nudity clause in your contract, what did you? What was it like seeing it with an audience again back in 2016? Because you you guys, uh, there was a 40th anniversary, Nancy. Oh my God, it was amazing, and um, there were a thousand people. And we did a, we just did a, a check before the screening. How many people have seen this five times, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times. Yeah. I mean, people have seen it so many times and um, they just, they just loved it. They laughed. They talked back to the screen. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. People are obsessed with that movie. Yeah, they are. And uh, actually a lot of the people who came, came dressed as one of the characters in the film and, uh, so we did a costume contest, and I think, you know, people identify, everybody identifies with someone or a couple of the people in that film, and maybe obviously not the same experience, but the feelings that are associated yeah. with being in high school and the, the hierarchy and what it's like. I know you're not a big fan of remakes to, of, of Iconic. I was just going to ask <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. You can, oh, my you, God. You can ask it. <laughs> All right. Did you see the remake of Carrie? Actually, I did not see it. And, uh, you know, I just, yeah, I didn't want to. We were invited to the opening, but it just, I th- actually, I think Piper went. I think she did go. Oh, interesting. 
Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I, you know, I, I look at things and I think that Psycho, um, RoboCop, a, a lot of the films that are remade, I just don't the, see. The in-laws. Why do it? You know, find a film that almost worked and fix it. You know, go if you want to remake something. That but makes to take more something sense. that's so iconic, it just, it, it usually doesn't work. And generally what happens is they throw a lot of money at it. They get star names, spend a lot of money, and then it still doesn't work. We'll assume so. you didn't see the RoboCop remake either then. No. You know, you know, it's interesting when we, as I said, we interview a lot of people on this show and it comes up a lot. I think we had John Aston, and I found out, and we didn't even ask him on the show, but I found out he's never seen the new Adams Family movies. Oh, is that right? Because he wants to, he, he, he wants to retain a certain memory of it. He want he, you know what I'm saying? He, 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 he wants it. He doesn't want anything to uh, intrude on that memory. Well, I think and it's change true because it I him. think when you're involved with something that's unique and special and it's the first the first one of its kind, it really does it really does have a special place in your heart, you know. So, yeah, you don't want to spoil those memories. Carrie holds up very well the original. And I just, I just realized uh, Nancy and I have a weird degree of separation. Uh-oh. In that we both worked with Randy Quaid. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, now, and it's like, now, that, that was back when you'd say, oh, I'm working with Randy Quaid, and that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't actually have a scene with him. I would have if I had taken my clothes off, but uh, unfortunately, I just got to meet him on the film. So. Yeah, he's taken some interesting turns in life. Rand, well, you Rand, could put it that way. Randy Quaid. This, <laughs> I thought uh, one last thing about Carrie. We have more questions from fans about it that I'll ask you later. But I found this funny too that you, while making the film, you and John were getting so many laughs from people on the crew that you you thought, oh, we're going to be the comic relief. Yes, I did. I thought we were hilarious, and we are pretty funny. But yeah. I was not prepared that people would just hate me in this movie. And scream horrible things from the audience at me, like slap that girl. Well, two you know, two just, seconds in the cheer. movie, you walk up to her and and you call her a. Uh, what do you say to her? Just when the th- I you, say eat shit, you eat shit. My first line. Like, the credits haven't even rolled. Oh, yeah, can, it's the first can we line hear of the you movie. say that? <laughs> Pardon? Can we hear you say that line? You eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nicely done. Yes. Do I need another reading? Do we do it again? Did I get it right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still insecure. <laughs> you know, it's. Did, did you have. Did you deal with any kind of. Not typecasting, but having to convince people that. Because you're so convincing as this awful girl. Oh, I better turn around and do something different. I better do a comedy before people perceive me that way or put me in that box. Well, you know, I did get a few scripts over the next year or so that were you well, know, you got high school movies, teenagers, the mean girl, the bitch, whatever. And it was like, I, I really didn't want to do it again. And first of all, the scripts weren't very good and you don't want to repeat the same thing. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I got the script for Animal House and then uh, I want to hold your hand and the opportunity to do something a little bit different. What, you, you, you auditioned for Karen's part in Animal House? No, not oh. for Karen's part. Oh. Um, it was one of the two blondes. I don't remember those characters' names. Oh, Babs and uh, yeah, and Mandy, Babs. Mandy. I think it's Mandy Pepperidge. It, it, yeah, one of those two characters. I, I don't remember, but yeah. I went in and I uh, I read for that. And actually, I read for that, and then I read for uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, 
I think within another, within a week mm-hmm. for both of those films. And they were going to cast me in Animal House, but they wouldn't make the deal. I was asking for a raise from Carrie and they're like, no, we're not going to pay it. And so in the meantime, I made the deal for, I want to hold your hand. And then they came back and said, okay, we'll pay her. And they said, well, it's too late. She's going to do, I want to hold your hand, which I'm really, I mean, as much as I love animal house and, uh, I really wanted to work with John Belushi cause I was a huge fan of his. Uh, I think I ended up in the right movie in the right role with the right group of people. So Things tend to work out. You're a lot of fun, and I want to hold your hand. The whole cast. Thank you. The whole cast is. I told you we had Eddie here. Oh, I love him. And the whole I cast. Him. I mean, it's just uh, Pam is a is a fun character because she's not really. She's just going along for the ride. She's waiting to get. She's waiting to get married. Oh, and, she's waiting to get married, and she's scared. I she's mean, it's scared. me. That yeah. was me in 1964. We can't. It's too bad. We'll get in trouble. We. Can't. I mean, that was me. I was the spoiled sport. My father was the cop. So uh, it wasn't a stretch. I just had to go back into my memory bank and uh, pull that character up. And and you originally, I think, read for the part of Carrie. Again, a falsehood. I never read for Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb again? And, uh, yes. but, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you See, know I what? Didn't bu- I didn't bite on that one. <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times this has come up and only two people read and tested for, well, a lot of people read for two people tested and I was not one of them. Uh, I only read for Chris. Did you read for, I I wish I could have. I'm I'm glad I didn't read for Sue because to me, I think Amy, Amy Irving did a great job, but it's, let's be honest. Chris is a much more fun character. She is more fun to be bad. Always fun to be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> did you audition for did you audition for Star Wars or is that bullshit too? I was not one of the actors because he they were casting uh Brian and, and George Lucas they were casting together for about 3 months. I I was past that. Brian was casting only for Carrie. I was literally the last person to read for that role. So um yeah, last person on the last day of casting. So I missed that whole scene. But all the other cast had been in on that ca- uh, casting call. Interesting. And, and you say in the 70s, all those, you know, legendary directors, you know, Scorsese, Spielberg, you know, right. were, were all pals? They were all pals and they all hung out and it was a dinner or at someone's house and talking about movies, what they were working on, looking at each other's, uh, you know, rough cut screenings. And uh, I'll tell you a funny, funny story. I was first, uh, well, it was, I was first dating Brian, and I think it might have been before Carrie came out. And there was a, he said, do you, have you ever been to a rough cut screening? And I said, no. And he said, do you want to go to San Francisco and see George's rough cut screening of his new movie? And I thought, oh, okay, that sounds like fun. <clears throat> so we all go off in this plane. It's Steven Spielberg. It's uh, Gloria and Willard Hike. It's uh, Jay Cox and and on and on and on. It's a whole group of people. So we go up to San Francisco and it's a rough cut screening of Star Wars. And we're watching the movie and you see these pencil marks of arrows. I guess that's where the, you know, the special effects were going and whatever music was in there. And I'm watching this film and going, oh my God, this is so bad. This is terrible. <laughs> the movie. 
all I could do to stay awake. And then we all go out afterwards and everybody's giving him feedback. You know, this is great. And Stephen writes down on a secret piece of paper how much money it's going to make at the box office. And Brian says, oh, get rid of the force. It's terrible. Nobody will like the force. And, you know, just joking around. <laughs> joking. And I'm thinking, I'm not saying a word because this is this is really bad. And of course, then I went to the big ta-da screening big uh, on the MGM lot and the music started and the horns and everything. And it was, of course, you know, a very that's, big success. That's so. a great story. Beware of rough cuts. <laughs> With pencils running through them. Pencil so, there, so, so there was no John Williams score, obviously, which makes no. a big difference. Oh, yeah. Huge difference. And also the effects were phenomenal, you know. Yeah. And they had, in the dog fights, uh, it wasn't really what you saw in the finished product. It was some old footage that had been placed in there, black and white. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is a disaster. But anyway. but, but what a thing to be in the middle of. It's funny how you don't know what's happening you, you you don't you don't know the uh the importance of it or the significance of it as you're going through it no but you're learning you know yeah. that's the thing it was like like i said it was like being in film school yeah you're learning all the nuances of how everything's done and put together and and uh it was uh really a an incredible period to be involved in in film let me ask you a couple other things about I want to hold your hand because I, I love I love when Pam she's she's it's funny because she's really along for the ride, but she's the one that gets into the inner sanctum. She's the one that gets into the Beatles hotel room and that scene where you're crawling and you're kind of making love to the guitar right. ne- neck, you know, yes, it's it's a great scene. But something funny, we had a guest on this show. We had Ron Delsner, uh, the famous music promoter. And he told us a funny story. Do you remember yeah. he told us that he and his sister snuck into the Beatles hotel room and actually took some of that stuff. They, oh. took, they took the plates <laughs> that they were eating on and the ashtrays. And there's that. And I'm watching you and I want to hold your hand. And there's the scene where you're going through the cigarette butts and, right. and the ashtray. He really did it. Well, that's pretty crazy. In, in real life. <laughs> but you're great in that scene and you're practically or- orgasmic as you're as you're and then you hide under the bed. It's very funny. Yeah, no, it was it was it was really hard to do. I'd never done anything obviously like that uh, before, and uh, you know some of it. A few of the things were scripted, but basically, Bob just said, you know, just here's all the stuff. Do what you want with it, you know. And uh, I liked the I, my favorite thing was taking the hair, taking the hair out of the brush, and it was great, and it getting <laughs> caught on my lipstick, and then grabbing. I mean, that was sort of fun, and uh, you know, it just it was a ball, really. You're, you're our fourth guest from that movie. Uh, Ed, Eddie Deason, Will, oh. Will Jordan, who played Ed Sullivan. Oh, yeah. We had yeah. on the show. And uh, who did I leave out? The great Dick Miller, who we just lost. Oh, yeah. I love Dick. Oh, he was such a what great is, guy. Yeah. You're sweet. You're in 1941. You're in with him, too. That's right. Yeah. And what was Spielberg like to, as a director? Well, you know, I think he's a great director. I always wish that I had been in any other film with him than 1941 because it was a cast of thousands uh and i think there was a it was a sort of a runaway train if you will because it was a very tight really good script zemeckis and gale script but at that time everybody in hollywood wanted to work with steven so he'd be at imperial gardens and run into someone and they say oh put me in the movie i want to be in the movie so they were they were really forced to continue to add in all of these characters. I love I that. Very- he just throw, he just throw parts at people as he would meet, as he would meet them. 
at absolutely. And then, uh, you know, we keep getting we keep getting new scripts or, you know, how they keep changing the pages. It's pink. It's sure. blue. It's all the well, and we ran out of color. So they finally printed up a whole new script. But uh, Tim and I, Tim Matheson and I, I think we're very lucky because our storyline remained the same from the original script till uh, the, the, the shooting, the, the, the finished product. And uh, our stuff was very simple. Get the girl in the plane. <laughs> and, and she obviously only liked to make love in a plane. Right. So Stephen was, um, I would say, what was great about Stephen was, and it's true of good directors, they have a vision. They know what they want to do. But if you present an idea to them, they'll say, you know, it's like I remember in the scene in the plane and I couldn't tell you, unfortunately, I can't tell you what it was. And it was an approach to the scene where I'm going to punch him. And he said, well, here's what I want you to do. And I want you to do this and this and this. And I said, oh, really? I was thinking this and this and this. And he said, well, you know what? I don't know. Show me. And he let me do it both ways. And then he said, you know what? You're right. Let's go with that. And so he was very he was very open-minded to it. And I also think Stephen had, at the, in those days, a very childlike enthusiasm. He loved being on the set. For him, it was just one big party. Now, obviously, he was under a lot of well, It's only his fourth feature at that point. It was. And yeah. it was, you know, it was a lot of money. I think the, the cost of the film, I want to say $40 million, which was a tremendous amount of money then. And we started out on a 14-week shoot and shot for about six months. Unbelievable. A year total if you add in the miniatures. So uh, it was, um, yeah. It <laughs> Unfortunately, he lacked what he needed, which was a really strong producer. But he was so successful that nobody would say no to him. Like, no, we can't do that. Stick with the script. So it is what it is. And actually, we saw, well, there was a screening a few years ago at the Egyptian. And uh, the movie's it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Is it the greatest movie? No, but it's got some good stuff. A and lot of good was, stuff. Uh, it was brutal. It was, I mean, it was, the critics were brutal when it came out. Spielberg's Christmas Bomb and, you know, and on and on from there. So uh, anyway, did you inter- it was fun. Did you interact with Belushi much? Because you had wanted, wanted to work with him? Oh, I loved him so much. I met him, the first time I met him was when Sissy did uh, SNL. Oh, yes, I remember that. Which, early days and uh, I met him uh, at the after party and he was he was such a flirt he was a shameless flirt and uh, adorable and uh, we didn't you know we did have I have one of my treasured pictures from a set is a picture of John you know hugging me and Robert Stack in the background it's just such a it's, it's like a great Hollywood picture I love it and he was you know John was when he was when he was present, was phenomenal. And then, you know, there were days he'd come in and say, okay, 10 o'clock, you got an hour <laughs> to shoot me. That's so, it. Yeah, it's really sad. I think he would have turned out to be such a great actor. I really do. It was do. a big career ahead of him. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I love that he plays the Godfather, too, in 1941. People forget that. <laughs> yeah. It's a dual role. Yeah. That's right. There's a there's the cameo. You know, he's 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 dressed as yeah. Vito Corleone eating a plate of pasta yeah. <laughs> when something comes crashing through the window. There's a lot of good stuff in that movie, as you just yeah. as you just said. I mean, tell us about Robert Stack because that's still well going in and crying while he's watching Dumbo. Oh my god, is, is one so of the adorable. highlights of the movie. What was he like to work with, Nancy? 
Well, he was very nice. I mean, Turt was, of course, a professional, and he he treated me like a like a daughter or something. Say now, okay, we're doing the drive up. So now, wait for them to open the door. He was giving you a little bit of direction. He was protective of me. Uh, a very very nice person, and uh, I uh, and a, and a consummate professional. Yeah, yeah, he really was. So I liked him. I had dinner with uh, with Robert and with um, I'm trying to think who was with us one night. We had dinner, and then of course. I mean, I got to meet Tashir Mavoni. How about that? Christopher Lee. Lee. These are just, you know, what's better than that? (laughs) That, By the way, the Christopher Lee, Tashir Mavoni, Slim Pickens scenes is one of the things that works very well. Oh, it's hilarious. In in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love that Christopher Lee and Tashir Mavoni only speak their own language to each other. Japanese and German. It's great. Now, you know, I don't know if you know this story, but, you know, Tim and I are in the airplane which was a mock-up on the stage. I don't know if you, have you heard the crazy story about the fire and everything? Yeah, I know you just got, you got out of there in a nick of uh, time. Yeah, I mean, they practically incinerated us in the plane, but other than that, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I heard that, he, that, that, that Spielberg asked John Wayne to be in the picture, and he said, don't make fun of World War II. Had well, you, I don't know had, that you heard story, that? but it, I, I believe it. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I found interesting was that Kubrick watched it and told him that he shouldn't have made it as a comedy. That he should have that, that he should have he should have taken the subject matter and made a drama out of it. Well, that's believable too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to ask you one thing about home movies, which is a movie that not of uh, from of of Brian's canon that not a lot of people have seen, but you are very funny in it, and it's a very very strange role. <laughs> how yes. You, how did you react? And, and you're very good in comedy. How, how did you react when he said, "Well, you're going to have this re- romantic relationship with a hand puppet"? Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I actually gave Brian that puppet as an Easter present. And I thought did. it was really cute okay. because he talked about dissecting uh, rabbits in the lab. And all. anyway, uh, it was one of our really weird things. And I, I used this rabbit, this rabbit, when I had something to say to Brian that I didn't want to say, I let the rabbit say it like, hey, you're not paying attention to me or hey. You know, I want to go out tonight or, you know, whatever, just as a, so. Oh, Sherry wrote, Lewis and Lamb Chop. <laughs> <laughs> so when he wrote it into the script, uh, I thought it was really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I mean, I like that, that she was seemingly, again, a very sweet girl. Yes. And then you find out as you go on, she's crazier than you can imagine. And uh, in fact, I remember at the screening when Brian screened the film for, uh, George and Stephen, who had also invested in the in the uh, movie, they said, "Do you have any more stuff with Bunny? This is really good stuff." <laughs> Bunny the puppet. So, yes, it's a it's a strange movie, but fun. But you know, it's autobiographical. I know, I know. Movie. It's about. I found that out that it's about his yeah. childhood. Yeah, yeah. And what was it like working with Michael Caine? Oh, he's a dream. I absolutely adore him. Uh, he was so kind to me when we. At the first rehearsal, I was so nervous. And, you know, I'm saying things. Can I curse on here? Of Can course. Okay. We insist. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it works. Anyway, you know, the first thing I'm saying is like, you know, do you want to fuck me? And, he, and I just, I, I was shaking. And he said, isn't that funny how how we are as actors? It's like, we don't even know someone. And the next thing you know, we're saying, do you want to fuck me to them? And he, he put me at ease. And uh, then when we got to shooting... Um, that particular scene on the set where I'm telling, I'm walking around and I'm talking about this dream that I have. It was a very tight set. 
And uh, it's just me talking. And every once in a while, Michael was supposed to say, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And so Brian said, you can go to your dressing room and you can relax and we'll just shoot Nancy and then we'll bring you back when we do the reverse. And Michael said, no, I'm going to stay because she, even if she can't see me, she'll feel me. She'll feel me in the room and it'll make a difference. And I thought that was extremely generous. Morris Nickel White. funny, too. Mm-hmm. He's very funny. Yeah, you told me very on the phone you had a Michael Caine story. Well, you know, uh, the day that he, the first day that he was going to get into the wig and the makeup and the shoes and the hair and the whole, the whole thing, Brian said to me, look, go to his dressing room, knock on the door, take a good look at him. If you need to laugh, laugh, get it over with because you can't do this on the set. <laughs> so... I said, okay, and I, you know, I walk in there, and he's sitting there like a truck driver with his heels, with a big cigar in his mouth, and I took a look at him. I walked out of there, had a good laugh. He walked on the set, and the crew, you know, these big macho guys in New York are just standing there. They don't even want to look at him, and he says, well, I always know if I worked hard, long enough and hard enough, I'd get to play me mum, and everybody laughed, and that was the end of it, so... He's uh, he's a good guy. I like him. That is a kinky movie, and that's totally. a, that's an understatement. Yes, yeah, I would and, agree. And so is home movies. I mean, I didn't know. I had seen it years ago. I didn't know it was about mm-hmm. uh, loosely based, maybe not so loosely based on Brian's childhood. But it's well, a it's yeah. a it's a pretty wild ride too. He gathered uh, divorce evidence for his mother. That's I know what he did. did. You know this? Gilbert? I don't know if they, he spied on he his own father who was having affairs uh, behind his mother's back. Just uh, stop me if I'm getting this wrong. Nancy. Well, he was having an affair with his nurse. His nurse. And he followed his father and photographed him yes. so his mother would have divorce evidence. Now, I don't think he did it in blackface. Right. Like the kid <laughs> does the right. Keith Gordon <laughs> character of the movie do it in blackface. It's a pretty funny movie. What would, any, any memories or fun stories about Vincent Gardenia, one of our favorite yes. actors? Oh, my God. I, I, this is truly one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. We love him. When we do the dinner scene and he's, it just, I could, barely get through the scene without laughing and he's always doing something that you don't expect so he's but again you know in the meantime he'd sit there very quietly waiting always ready but uh, once he was on he was on really good actor people don't think of brian directing comedies but that that's a funny movie yeah, and that's where he started. I mean, people oh, with forget Hi Mom, he yeah. did uh, right. Hi Mom, Greetings, Get to Know Your Rabbit. Those right. were the right, early right, right. ones. What was Martin Landau like? Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. We shot, it was, of course, a terrible movie, and we were stuck in Manila. And one thing about him is he never sat down when we were off camera. He'd stand, he'd pace, he'd smoke, he'd tell stories. He was just constantly moving, constantly moving. <laughs> one of our favorites. And very funny. Yeah, and he's a funny guy, too, or was a funny guy. One of our favorites. So we, we tried we tried to get him uh, on this show, and he, he unfortunately had taken a turn for the worse. Uh, Another actor that we adore that you worked with, Richard Dreyfus in The Buddy System. Oh, adore. Absolutely adore. Uh, he... I had so much fun working with him and learned so much from him. He's all about the words and the timing and getting it, getting it right and working it out and every beat in the film. So the first, the first day he said to the director, we're not doing anything until we've rehearsed this film, this scene. And so that's, that's kind of how it went. I learned a lot about taking, taking your time and making sure the words work. And, uh, and uh, I can say, 
uh, I definitely had a big crush on him. You did. And I was married at the time, so it's probably not the best thing to say, but I did have a crush on him. How good is he in The Goodbye Girl, by the way? Oh, he's, he's just, so good he in He deserved everything. that Oscar. He really did. He did. He did. He really did. And and another legendary star you worked with. How is it like working with Kirk Douglas? Well, Kirk is great. Uh, we didn't have a scene together, but I mean, it's Kirk Douglas. What more do you have to say? You know, he's just he's larger than life, even in person. You know, uh, and still the, with uh, us at one hundred and two. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Incredible. Keith Gordon, I think, had his hands full with Kirk because over here Brian was directing him, and then every time he'd go back to the set. Kirk would start directing him. So he was kind of like, who do I listen to here? It was really, really frustrating. But he um, he was actually, I think um, he also read the script. He loved it. And Brian wanted him to play the father. The Vincent Gardenia but, part. Yes. Right. But Kirk read it. And uh, I think Brian's idea for that role was George Memoli. And I think you know who George Memoli From is. Ace Trucking right? Company? Hmm? George Memoli from, he's in Mean Streets. Yes. He is. Yeah. Yes. Right. The big heavy guy. What's a mook? Yes. So he wanted, that's how he saw the professor of star therapy. But Kurt Redding says, well, I want to be the professor of star therapy or whatever. And wasn't he in there. Phantom of the Paradise? I believe he is yeah. in Phantom yes. of the Paradise. Yes. Yeah. 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 Brian tended to use a lot of actors again and again. He, you know, kind of an ensemble. He was in the Ace Trucking Company, I believe, with Fred Willard and our friend Billy Saluga. You remember the guy? Right. Remember the guy that used to do? You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. <laughs> remember that guy? Of course. <laughs> the cigar. But you, but you, and the but zoot you doesn't suit. call me Johnson. Doesn't call yes, me Johnson. Yes. That's the, <laughs> I, he and George Memoli were in the same. Uh, were in the same sketch and group. We we yeah. love the fact that he built an entire career wild. out of like three seconds of material. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Well, one other actor. What about Roger Moore, Nancy? Because oh I know God, you worked on the, the Man Moore, Who Wouldn't Die. I have to tell you, he is one of the. You wouldn't think this to look at him, but he's one of the funniest people. I know. I read his memoir. It's hilarious. Met. He was so hilarious on the set that he'd have us all like crying we were laughing so hard right but right before taken then you'd have to you know the thing with these english actors they don't take themselves very seriously so on that movie it was roger moore and it was malcolm mcdowell and they're yelling at each other hey mary how you doing over there mary teasing each other and they'd be laughing and poking fun at each other and then they go action it was like all of a sudden they were you know in their <laughs> characters so yeah, i love that malcolm about mcdowell them. i've met he's bawdy and and yes. a very very edgy sense of humor. Oh yeah. oh yeah, somebody we got we got to get here. Roger Moore, we never had the pleasure. I like to go down the list of people we missed out on. Yes, all these oh these my. people that people that Nancy got to work with, like Martin Landau and uh, oh depressing and, and Roger Moore. You got to work with the great Albert Brooks too, and so and Soderbergh's out of sight. I did, I did, and uh, you know, um, I don't come into the movie until the very end, and I remember. My agent contacting me, and I thought, you know, I don't care what it is. I love Steven Soderbergh, and I'd love to work with him. And then it was even better when I found out I was going to work with Albert. And 
he liked us. Stephen liked us so much. He kept adding a few little lines for us and putting things in the, the script. And I thought, I knew at the time, you know, it's not going to end up in the movie. Nobody cares about this, these two characters at the end of a movie. You can't start creating a, a whole new movie. But it was fun to shoot with him. And uh, I, I just, I love him. No, and, it's great when they're trying to shoot the safe out and you walk into the, you walk into the doorway and just read them the, the combination yeah. to, yeah, the, to exactly. the safe. Exactly. Can I throw a couple of questions at you from listeners? Sure. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, oh, we mentioned, we referenced the great Pat McCormick in our opening. He's someone near and dear to the show. You did a, you did an episode of fairy tale theater. Yes, I did. Yeah. With Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli and um, who's the wonderful actress who was in Network? Oh, Bob, Bob, Beatrice Strait. Beatrice Strait. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any memories of Pat McCormick? Well, not not much to be honest with you because okay. we didn't really interact. We so, take a shot. Uh, yeah, we take a shot. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> any any memories of Zelda Rubinstein? Linda Mancino wants to know any memories of Zelda Rubinstein on Poltergeist 3. Oh, a lot of memories. Zelda, Zelda really liked those cute young boys. And boy, they liked her too. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. It's true. It's true. We were all staying in the same hotel and at night we'd be going up in the elevator and I'd see Zelda with, you know, whoever the end's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. How'd you get this cute young boy, Zelda? Where'd he come from? But uh, on the set, Zelda was really um, a pro. She loved the work. She was thrilled to be there. And she had a she had a fierce sense of humor. I really enjoyed her. She's interesting. On She's very interesting on screen. Very yeah, interesting performer. Here's one. Oh, Eric Connor wants to throw in. Uh, how does he know you, Gilbert? He writes, I'll bet you that Gilbert would like to ask Nancy about the shower scene filming in Carrie. Well, he was right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we already, yes. we already covered that. <laughs> Jason Grissom <laughs> says, I want to know if Nancy has any stories uh, from the set of Not for Publication. Paul Bartell was a great one. And she also got to work with the great Dean Stockwell on Limit, oh, on Limit Up. Yes, yes. Uh, um not for publication, almost probably not for release, really. Um, <laughs> well, we love I, Paul uh, Bartell. How could you not I, love him? I adored him. Eating I saw Raul. Eating Raul three times. Yeah. And uh, when I was contacted uh, to meet Paul, I met Paul. I said, you know, I don't care what it is. I want to work with this guy because I thought that film was so crazy. You've seen right Eating Raul, my... haven't you, Gilbert? Yes. Oh, it's a screen. Yes. Oh, it's hilarious. So anyway... So now Paul could do anything he wanted and not for publication was his passion piece is something that he had wanted to do his whole career. And it's just, of course, this crazy, crazy movie. And uh, and I got to work with uh, David Naughton, who was an old buddy of mine. And uh, oh God, who was it? Uh, Lawrence Luckinbill and other crazy. It was just, you know, it was kind of kooky. And ultimately, the movie really doesn't work. But we really had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Dean Stockwell, uh, I actually uh, was such a great fan of. I think he was just us, of his generation. Too. We love him. One, one of the best. And we did one of the scenes we did together. Uh, I did something and I went, oh, that's not what I wanted to do. And he says, but that's what happened. I said, no, he says, he says no, but that's what happened. In other words, be in the moment, trust what happens and just go with it. So I really... Um, I really uh, uh, enjoyed. I, I enjoyed him tremendously. What a what a group of people you've gotten to work with. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean we didn't even, we didn't even mention Christopher Walken and so many other people. Well, yeah, I mean that was a uh, that uh, was my generation of actors. Absolutely, you know, that's where I was in that time. So you I was were very lucky. You were in the middle of it. And speaking of Michael Caine, see if you can find a movie called Shock to the System, a black comedy that he's great in. That, oh, that I've never lo- even heard of it. With Peter Rieger, that not a lot of people have seen. I love Peter Rieger. Yeah, we had Peter here. See if you can find it. I will. I think I think you will love it. And I will definitely tell our listeners to find uh, home movies. Okay. Which is if a, they can. I don't know if they can. <laughs> which is a honestly, honestly, I ordered a copy of it online, I think on Amazon, and it arrived, and the sound was so bad you couldn't even hear it. So I think it's, I, I don't even think it's out. Did it not come out on DVD? I don't people, believe people, so. Maybe they can find it on Netflix or, or, or somewhere. It's it, really shocking. It's such an extraordinary film. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> didn't make it to a DVD. This, this is, the, Gilbert will appreciate this. You worked with the legendary Abel Ferrara. Oh. Oh, my God. Yes. And did he say, uh, did he tell you the movie you were about to make was a piece of shit when you first started? <laughs> well, here's what he said. <laughs> uh, just about right. He came into the trailer and it was me and... Um, uh, God, what's his name? That adorable, gorgeous actor. And he says, okay, so what are we going to do with this piece of shit? And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're in big trouble here. You have to admire yeah, the I honesty. Loved, I loved him. What what actresses do you like, Nancy? I mean, both both contemporary actresses and also, because I, I know you're a TCM fan. We were talking on the phone about classic movies. I heard you reference A Face in the Crowd as as one of your favorites. I bring it up, too, because I found an article on a website called Metrograph where they the writers compared you to Veronica Lake and, and Rita Hayworth. Wow. I'll send you the wow, article. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I would never I would never imagine that. I'll send I it mean, to you. I mean, I loved Jane Fonda. I loved Billie Holiday, Carol Lombard, Barbara Stanwyck. Loved Marilyn. I thought she was really funny and wonderful. Absolutely. Um, contemporary. My God, there's so many wonderful... Young actresses. I, I love Emma Stone. She's great. She is great. Did you see The Favorite? I did. I couldn't wait to see it, but I'm one of those people that really didn't like it. Interesting. I didn't like it. I love the work, but I didn't like the movie. Interesting. Yeah. No. I, my favorite movie this season was Black Klansman. I thought that was by far the best which I haven't, of all of them. Which I haven't seen yet. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. And it's really funny. I know. I have my screener. I'll watch it. Did you Did you get a screener for Black Klansman, yeah, the Spike yeah, Lee movie? I think so. Yeah, I got to I got to get to it. Um, and this is interesting, too. And I found you you were talking about how, you know, you never set out to to be a, a, horror, a horror actress or turn out in sci fi, so many sci fi films or thrillers. It was sort of just the way things went. But you like going to the chiller. You told me you like meeting these fans. You like oh, in, I do. You, you like interacting with these people who happen to be obsessed about these movies. I do, and first of all, it's the best uh, uh, fan show out there. I think it's the best run. Gilbert's and, done and it. it. He's done. He's got oh, a yes. table there and signed autographs. Is it great? Oh, uh, yeah. They're really, it's really well run, and the fans I, are really nice. I I put it off for the longest time, and then somebody said to me, "He goes, look." You sit there, they tell you they love you, and they give you money. <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. Yeah. But I would think people would love you at these shows. I really would. Uh, I told you, yeah, I told you, Richard Dreyfus. we were at one with Richard Dreyfus last year, and he had a line around the block. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know who was really popular? Remember Patty Duke? She was, I mean, oh, talk yeah. about line around the block. 
She was so popular and so sweet. She would stand up the entire time meeting people. And uh, I did a couple shows with Piper, Lori, and uh, PJ Souls. We had a good time doing that together. Tim and I did a show together, Tim Matheson. Uh, it is, it's, 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 it's fun. I'm always fascinated that people know more about your movies than you do. And, uh, it's, uh, it's Did kind you of crazy. Find that, and they'd love Gilbert? to tell you. Yeah. There, there are those, yeah, there are these people who are obsessed with it and they'll know, they'll remember movies that I've done that I've forgotten. About. They know too much. Yeah. In other words, you find that, you find that Nancy? Well, uh. You know, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit much. What I don't like, there's a lot of touching involved. It gets a little bit. Like, when it comes to the picture, their arms are red. You know, it's like, know. And it's, it just can be a little bit too much. But uh, for the most part, it's a lot of fun. And I get, and you get to meet other people, other actors and performers who you wouldn't necessarily get to meet. And I'm a fan, too. I like meeting people. Yeah, that's how we got we got uh, Riegert and Matheson to do the show. As I accosted them at Chiller. Oh, perfect! Yeah, and, and <laughs> tell tell Gilbert how you're always confused with Karen Allen, which is kind of fun. Oh, people say, "Oh, Karen, I love you," or "Debbie, I love you." And, Debbie you know, Allen. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're Just way off. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, the please don't call me. Is uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Please don't call me Woody. Then we're really going to be off. But uh, <laughs> you know, so I was so excited when I heard that Karen was a thriller, and I found her. I hunted her down. And we saw each other and we hugged. And I said, please tell me they call you Nancy. And she said, all the time. So we posted a picture of ourselves on Facebook going, this is Karen. This is Nancy. Remember it. Perfect. Perfect. Tell us about the charity. Before we get out of here, tell us about your charity, about We Spark and, and, uh, oh, okay. and how it came uh, developed from your relationship with Wendy Jo. So Wendy Jo Sperber and I met on I Want to Hold Your Hand. And we were that... Those girlfriends that met each other had, were kindred spirits, and even though we were a little bit different in age, but we really, we really just loved each other. And great uh, physical comedian, she was by the about, way. I'm sorry. She's a great physical comedian, by the way. She's oh been, my god! One of the funniest things in 1941 is her. Totally, and a complete natural. She could do anything. Her timing, everything. We we bonded, and I want to hold your hand over the fact that she said, "I'm so afraid I'm not going to be able to cry." So I. I told her how she could cry, and she was like, oh, I love you. We'll be friends forever. <laughs> anyway, great. sadly, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, 1997, and she had a couple of young kids. They were 10 and 7 and lived in the community in Sherman Oaks, and there was really nothing available for support and nothing at all in Los Angeles for her children. So um, in 2001, she decided she wanted to create a center where people could come, all kinds of cancer, not just breast cancer, any kind of cancer, men, women, uh, cancer patients, their loved ones, anyone whose life was being affected by cancer. And she wanted everything to be free. And everyone said to her, no, 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 you can't do it. It's impossible. And fortunately, Wendy did not, the word no was not even in her vocabulary. So I got involved as a celebrity golfer to help her raise money. And then when she found the place she wanted to open, she said, okay, you're into all the woo-woo stuff. You need to come help me do this. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not really working right now. Okay, I can help you a little bit. That was in 2001. It's now 2019. I've been executive director here for, you know, the last 10, 11 years, the program director. Because I was into 
you know, yoga and uh, integrative um, modalities for healing. So she said, okay, you're going to be the creative program director. So, and she was the fundraiser and that's what we did until she passed away. And then I had to uh, grow into another sure. area of doing the fundraising. And so we serve, we do, we give over 11,000 services a year. Everything is free. What's the website? How, how can our, how can our listeners support it? It's www.wespark.org. Okay. And it's a beautiful place. Congratulations. That's a nice thing to be Thank doing. Thank you. Thank with your life and your time. She was a great talent. And, I, and again, I oh. think I think she had a, a big career ahead of her. She, uh, no question. Uh, she uh, she really could do anything. I'll tell you a quick story if we have time. Sure. When I, she was first, uh, it's after we did 1941. She says, you know, uh, I just started uh, rehearsing for this series and we were always looking for something to do together. She found a play that she really liked called pizza man he delivers and she says why don't you come over to my place tonight and there's an actor who i think would be it was a three character piece i think it would be good the three of us together so we read through the play and he leaves and she says what do you think i said you know i i i, I think he's pretty good i think it'd be pretty good well that actor was tom hanks so i guess he was pretty good wow and good enough to go <laughs> on and be a big nice. star nice outcome <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah Nancy, so much we 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 won't get to. There's so many there's so many other things you've done. Did 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 Ray Stark want Suzanne Summers in your part in Dress to Kill, or is that also bullshit? He certainly did. <laughs> that was the end of him. I, I got to stop the presses there. I don't buy Suzanne Summers imagine? in Dress to Kill. I don't know what he was thinking. Chrissy. So Brian said, "Well, actually, I wrote it for Nancy, but you know, anyway." <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Don't let producers cast. No, absolutely this not. Is, this is so much fun. I hope you had a good time. I did have a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I uh, really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on the show. Of course. My God. I mean, you've, do you've done so much. There's so much stuff we didn't even get to. But I got, well, to, I got to a lot. I well, you can visit me when I do Chiller and we can talk about it. When are you going to do it again? That. Well, I think I'd like to do it in the fall. So I didn't want to do it this spring. I like the fall show. That's my favorite one. Okay. So so what, when is that? October? Yeah, the, usually the end of October near I, Halloween. I will make a pilgrimage. Sounds good. Just to, just to meet you because it's fun. You guys come out here at all? Uh, he's out there. I don't, yeah. get, I don't get a chance to. Gil? Yeah. I'm out in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to be there again? <laughs> Although now, she doesn't now, want to be touched. Now, now <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, well, I, wait a I, I can't promise you anything. Don't touch me. <laughs> you but might at least need wash a your can hands. Mace. No hugging. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, did you say hi to Eugene for me? I certainly will. Thanks a lot, you guys. Of course. I went to college with Nancy's nephew. First, let's do the. Um... He's going to rap. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to someone who I've been picturing naked in the shower and carry the entire <laughs> oh <my> time. God. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy's sitting in shadow, and I think she just, I just saw her blush. <laughs> Oh my God! I barely see her face. Didn't start out that way. <laughs> yes, we we all know her. We all remember her best from touching Amy. 
Judging Amy. And Touching Amy. Touching Amy. Yes. Very good. I want I want to thank our mutual friend David Pomerantz, Nancy, too, for making this happen. Oh, yeah. David yeah. Pomerantz? Yes. No, the not sing. that David oh, Pomerantz. Oh, I was about to sing. Uh, <laughs> and also our engineer, Sam Kiefer. Thank you, Sam. So we've been talking to the beautiful and talented <laughs> Nancy Allen. Nancy, a thrill. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm not sure, but the more that it's real, the more it's right. Ooh, what a night. It's as though we've been lovers all of our lives. There must be a God. Could it be that he's hurt? Just the same.